Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the TBD Podcast. My name is Heath Monsma. And I'm James Catanzaro. And this week, we had Mr. Leach on our podcast, uh, the band director here at Pioneer, the director of the symphony and the jazz bands, um, and the head of the music department as well. Yeah, Mr. Leach is a big name at Pioneer, definitely very accomplished, but we talked about um, where he grew up, of course, um, in Ann Arbor, and just... Went to Huron, unfortunately. Yeah. And how he wanted to give back to his community, how he involves all three high school bands together, and then about how he's traveled all around the world performing with his bands and um, what those culture barriers have kind of taught him as a teacher. We got a little bit of a music philosophy lesson there at the end, um, as we talked about some global cultures and the importance of music in general. Um, Definitely. So it was great to sit down with him. And without further ado, here's Mr. Leach. Hello, Mr. Leach. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. So it's safe to say that the Pioneer Bands are one of the many prides of the school, having won several awards um, at national festivals and local festivals as well. And you yourself are equally accomplished, um, perhaps most notably uh, being nominated four times for the Disney American Teacher Award. But we want to... Very lucky. Yes. Yes. Um, and we'll get into that too. But we want to start all the way back at the beginning when you were our age or potentially younger and you first discovered your interest in music and what was your interest, of cho- what was your instrument of choice and um, what was your childhood like? Well, I grew up like you in Ann Arbor. Um, uh, now, don't hold against me. I'm an Ann Arbor Huron High School graduate, so no, 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 no hate, no hate. No hate. Uh, <laughs> for a long time, I don't know if you guys know this, but the director of bands at Huron, Steve Roberts, was a Pioneer graduate, and the former department chair at Huron, Rick Ingram, who was also a Pioneer High School graduate. So we swapped, we swapped sides of the city for a while, and uh, it was, it's, we 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 just really are proud of the places we all came from. So from my perspective. Um, I was lucky enough to grow up in the north side of Ann Arbor, and I went to Northside Elementary School, which is where I first learned about music. Uh, the former coordinator for Ann Arbor Public Schools, Linda Berg, was my fifth and sixth, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade music teacher, and she taught us about opera. Believe it or not, we learned about opera and music and all kinds of fun stuff. And my fifth grade band teacher was Robert Albritton, who was the former director of bands at Pioneer High School. I actually replaced Robert here, um, and so I had very, very good mentor teachers. From there, um, my, my mother used to work for the Veterans Hospital, um, and one of her students that kind of came in from the University of Michigan also was in the Michigan Marching Band. Uh, his name was Ben Duff. He played trumpet. So we had a trumpet in my house, and I was playing on it, and my mom knew that Ben played the trumpet, so he came to my house and taught me privately when I was in fourth grade um, just to teach me how to make a good embouchure and to do those kinds of things. And um, when I went to band, I loved it a ton. Um, I was back in those days – Ann Arbor used to have something called All City. When, believe it or not, there was an All City Honor Band, an All City Honor Choir, an All City Honor Orchestra that kids around the city would audition for. Uh, and I was an All City Band. Um, when I got to Clegg, I auditioned and made the top ensemble at Clegg. My middle school band director and choir director, Hunter March, and Robert Roger Lund was my band director. Hunter March was my choir director. We're massively influential in terms of father figures and kind, amazing men uh, who said it was okay to be a a musician and expressive and still keep your energy and enthusiasm for athletics and music. And they showed me it was possible to do it all. Um, From there, I went to Huron High School. Uh, uh, My high school band director, uh, John Whitwell, eventually became the director of bands at Michigan State University. Uh, um, And we played at the Midwest Clinic when I was a kid, Um, my junior year, which is the highest honor you can 
that can you can achieve in terms of a program. Um, and when we were when we were there, I learned a lot about what it was like to be international, play for a big stage. Uh, saw bands from around the world. Really had a great experience with that. Um, and then I went off to Eastern Michigan University because I wanted to be a teacher. Um, uh, obviously, Mr. Albritton, Mr. Whitwell, Ruth Datz, Rick Ingram, all those people, Hunter March, Roger Lund, were all Lindeberg were all you know, amazingly influential in terms of my life and who I was and decisions that I made. Um, so it made most sense to me. Those people gave so much to me. I kind of wanted to be that people, be that person for, for students maybe. Uh, and so I went off to Eastern to be a teacher. Um, I had the greatest experience there. The, I was in choir and band when I was there and orchestra um, and had some great friendships. Some of my very dearest and closest friends were I met Eastern. I met my wife uh, Eastern in the marching field and we had the best experience. I've I still have some of my dearest and closest friends out of those times. Um, and then when I finished student teaching down in a little town known as Ida, um, I stepped in and became the director of bands at Ypsilanti High School uh, in the December of 1987 um, and just really had a great time. I, 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 my time at Ipsy for what was for me some of the best times to be a teacher because I was young. Um, uh, I got a chance to learn how, what it was like to be a teacher in a program that could afford that. I wasn't in such a high profile job and we all grew together. Um, some of my favorite students I've ever had came out of the Ipsy program. In fact, I have a student now whose mother was my flag captain at uh, at Ipsy. And I have another student who's coming in next year, her son, and she's a former flag for me at Ypsilanti, and I'm having her children. I'm having their children in my band program. And so we've had just, you know, those are great experiences where I just had, you know, wonderful relationships with great kids and great families and I can't see enough great stuff about that community. It was just magnificent the time we were there. It's still a place my wife and I visit often, and we have friends there. Um, it's just a great place. We love it. And then uh, when Mr. Albritton decided he was going to retire, he reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in applying to take over from me? And I thought it was a huge honor. So I went through the process. Myself and four other band directors from around the country applied, interviewed. There were 22 people on my interview panel. It was an all-day affair. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, so they take I, things seriously here. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a pretty high profile program. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there were 22 students and staff and administrators. It was and we were there all we were at Pioneer all day. Uh, and then they contacted me when I when I had come back from tour. I, I finished interviewing and I jumped on a bus for Virginia Beach with my kids at Ipsy. We went to a festival there and did really well. And on the bus ride home, uh, I didn't I know what had happened and I got home and there was an email or there back in those days, there was a phone message on my answering machine. Mm -hmm. Please call Pioneer. We need to talk to you. So they offered me the job and I took it the following year and the spring in the summer of 2002, got ready for band camp, my first band camp and have been here ever since. And I've just really, you know, much like my, my time at Ipsy and at Eastern and at, at Huron, my fondest memories are in this room, this office and in the band room at Pioneer. Yeah. Awesome. So ever since you picked up that trumpet and, fourth grade, are there any certain experiences that stand out? You know, you mentioned all your influences, but are there any specific stories that kind of kept you continuing on this path? Because, you know, that's a really long path for someone to stay so focused in um, music, you know, starting in fourth grade and all the way up until, you know, where you are right now. Sure. Are there any experiences that really told you, you know, I, I want to keep doing this, I want to continue it? Well, I think like everything else, I, 
what, what gravitates you to a situation and what gravitated me and what gravitates almost everybody is relationships. So my relationships with my, my, my music teachers at elementary school and at middle school and at high school were incredibly important to me as an emerging young adult. Um, uh, I had, I had experiences of travel, which was great, but the, building friendships that I, my, my best friend lives in Florida and we met in choir. Uh, my other best friend is in, is in, in town around here and he's a percussionist and we met in band. Um, and so we meet those experiences and that's what, what, you know, where you find that connectivity, where you find those lifelong memories are, are, that's how that happens. And so every step along the way from my first band camp at Interlochen as a young marcher in 10th grade, because in those days, ninth graders were at middle school, uh, back, I think it was called intermediate in those days. Um, and so when I got to, when I got to my first time at high school, I met some really good friends, dear friends, um, at, at Interlochen as a student. And, and when I got to Ipsy, some of the relationships that I started with the faculty and the families that were part of the band association um, became out. They, they became more than just band parents. They, you know, they would come to my house. I would go to their house. My, they would come to our house. We would play Euchre together, dinner clubs. And so all these relationships built out of it. The performance aspect of it, there are so many uh, memorable performances from playing the state conference uh, with the Ipsy band for the first time. They had never played it. And so we got a chance to invite it to play at what was then called the Midwest Midwestern Clinic. Uh, we played that at Hill Auditorium, and it was life-changing. Uh, when that band program turned 75 years, I was the band director, so I invited back all the old band directors, and we did a concert at Hill Auditorium, oh, and it was yeah. magnificent. They all came on stage and conducted the bands, and the kids got to see a history that they didn't know existed, and um, it was really important for that program to catch that history. Um, tr that, that program was really you know, and different than most towns around here, particularly Ann Arbor. Um, that town is rooted in parades. Uh, the Heritage Festival Parade, the Fourth of July Parade. And so every year we'd have these massive parades where the entire town would show up and we were part of that experience. And so concerts at Ipsy were, were 1,300 people would come to a concert because it was on a Friday night at EMU. Sure, um, wow. it, was, it, was, it was really fun to do those experiences and have it be a town, you know, it'd be, it'd be something that the entire town would partake in. Mm -hmm. My colleague, Bill Boggs, who's a choir director, is one of the finest choir directors I've ever worked with. I mean, I've worked with some of the best choir directors in Ann Arbor as well. And he, that program he had at Ypsilanti was, was mind-blowingly good, much like the choirs at Pioneer are now. I mean, and Huron and Skyline. I mean, they were just magnificent. So we traveled the world. He showed me what it was like to travel the world. And I took those kids. That small little program was in England twice. And they played at the Mid-Europe Clinic in Schladming, Austria. And so they did some really fun stuff as well. And that those were you know, life-changing experiences for both the kids and myself, my family. Um, we, we had a, we just lost our, our dog, Royer, uh, was 15 years old as a schnauzer. But when we got oh, him. I'm a miniature we, schnauzer myself. Yeah, we love schnauzers. We when, yeah. we, when we, when we got him, they wanted to name him a German name because my, my, my children were young then. And so we stayed in Austria at the hotel, the sport hotel Royer. And so we named our dog Royer because that place was so instrumental in terms of them growing up and seeing you know, the hills are alive. They, they actually live that. They were in the, the Austrian Alps. And, you know, those are really great experiences. Uh, playing When we won our first Grammy National Concert, you know, and played at Hill Auditorium, that was pretty stunning. Uh, when, when the band program turned 100 here in Ann Arbor, I invited, uh, I made sure that Skyline and Huron and Pioneer worked together to celebrate bands being 100 in Ann Arbor. Now, that's pretty huge. Mm, yeah. And so we contacted a local composer who is one of the foremost composers 
alive today. His name is Michael Doherty. He's had a daughter in the band program. And so we reached out to Michael. We commissioned him to write a piece of music called Vulcan. It's in three movements. And we built a, we built an honors band and we each, each one of us, Steve Robertson here on Jason Smith at Skyline and myself, we each conducted one movement with all of the first chairs between Skyline here on and pioneer playing in that band. And that's the best band I've ever heard. Um, mm-hmm. They were all monsters and we got a chance to premiere that, you know, with a composer uh, a couple of years ago, one of my former students, Chris Haas, he wrote this piece of music uh, for the symphony band just a few winters, just before the, the, the COVID outbreak. And we played it with him in the audience. And again, it just goes back to building relationships. I mean, Chris was a great student and I've you know followed him, followed his career and encouraged him and stayed in contact with him. And we met back at Midwest Clinic uh, when he was there and, and one of his pieces was being performed as a, as a, as a sight reading, as a reading band. Uh, and so I said, hey, I'd love you to write something for us. And so he did. And we played it in the winter of, I think it was ni- 2019, I think. Um, and it was just, ma- it was magical. And so, I mean, those are just some of the, you know, experiences that have been, you know, foundational. Right. I had no idea that um, there was such a vibrant and storied community um, connected with the band in Ann Arbor and Washtenaw County in general. Um, did you know immediately that you wanted to give back to that community? Is Was that ever a doubt in your mind if you maybe wanted to go off and leave it and um, play elsewhere or compose elsewhere direct, or um, direct elsewhere? Or you always knew you wanted to stick around in this area? Well, I, th- yeah, I think when you're young, you're, you you live in this illusion that you're going to come back and teach because that's how the world works. Then you realize as you get older, that's not how the world works. You have to get in, you have to give them a resume. That resume has to make it through the pile of sorting. Once it's through the pile of sorting, you have to make it to the interview process. Once the interview process has, you have to actually win the job. And so uh, th- th- that when I was young, I would have loved to come back and taught at Clegg or Northside or Huron. Um but the fact that I was lucky enough to get a job open at, in Ann Arbor schools when I was able to transfer and move and had established myself enough to be able to take a job of this magnitude. This is this is a job, and I've talked to many people, that's not for the faint of heart. Um, this is a pretty high-profile job, much like Theater Guild or choir or, or uh, science or math. Pioneer is a very you know, preeminent school with like you, Heath, you guys are very bright. And so you can't come here and not be on an A game because as I'm sure in your life, you've seen teachers that are not on their A game um, and you know it right away. And I think that, that, that can be figured out by students in this town. This town is full of a lot of very bright parents and bright kids. And so if you're going to come here and be successful, I think you need to be passionate, caring, and make sure that you take care of the kids that are in front of you because that's really all anybody wants. And, be, and to be successful, I think that's what it boils down to. No, absolutely. Uh, so a little bit more of a technical band question for you. Uh, I know that you are direct both symphony and jazz bands. Um, is there either one that you prefer or does it depend on your mood or do you enjoy the facets of both? Um, or is it just completely different to, to do both? Yes. Yeah. Like you find yeah. yourself. Yeah, um, yeah, you hit yeah. on the head. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, just a different type of directing. Do, do you change your directing style at all, conducting style? Um, to yeah. Well, I think it's like, it's like everything else in life. You love you love change and challenge. Um, so I, I think one of the things that, that you look forward to a day is not doing the same thing over and over again. And so, you know, I conduct Concert Band Purple and Symphony Band are the two top concert bands. I assist 
with the varsity band and concert band white. Um, my assistant, er, my brand new assistant this year, Aaron Littlefors, has done a brilliant job. Um, but I teach the concert band purple, the symphony band, and the jazz band, and mm-hmm. they're they're all top notch and so much fun. And the difference between the three is really noticeable. And so I, I think we adjust our teaching style to be reflective of the kids that are in front of us. Um, jazz band kids want to know about history and want to know about swing and want to know about how it affected our country and where we were. Um, and so I, we teach, there's a lot of history, especially since we've gone to online learning. Um, I've, I've taken a lot of time because I see jazz band pretty much every day. We've really embraced learning about the history. I don't know if you're aware, I'm assuming you are, that Ken Burns was a Pioneer High School alumni um, mm-hmm. and has done his, his, his documentaries are the best maybe ever. And his documentary about jazz is nothing short of amazing. And so we have spent time, you know, a couple times every a week or once a week, we, we actually view it together in kind of a watch party. And then at the end, each student gets a chance to either transcribe a solo they heard or to transcribe a piece of music of an artist that they heard or transcribe a piece of music that they think is fascinating that they have heard that's in the genre of jazz. And it doesn't have to be just jazz. It can be blues. It can be, you know, it can, it, it can be bossa nova. It can be any of the styles that encompass jazz. Um, and then we all share it together. We make a big slide presentation and we all talk about what we learned. And I think some of my kids think that's the best part of it because, you know, it's not necessarily always about playing. You're kind of identifying, Oh, I didn't know Billy holiday. You know, I know this much about Billy holiday and suddenly they're learning about, you know, one of the most influential jazz singers of our time. In fact, they just made a movie that they're now releasing on, uh, on Netflix, no Hulu about her, uh, Billy holiday versus the United States government. And it's quite amazing, you know, quite an amazing life that she led, uh, even in spite of the fact that she grew up when racism was so rampant in this country. I mean, more so than it is now. And she was kind of a pioneer on trying to protect people. Um, so are these, are these projects and the watch parties a tweak that you've made since we've moved online? And no, how is that? Yeah. From absolutely. a broader sense, like how has that transition been? Because I mean, I'm assuming you're playing five days a week in class. However, it's just, I've, I mean, I've heard from band students myself, it's just difficult to even try to play together. You know, I know a little bit about people recording, but do you just want to explain the music, explain the challenge it's been maybe, or, you know, some teachers kind of welcome the challenge and are excited by um, trying to make it work online. So what is your experience and experience been, you know, moving, we're almost coming up on a year now. So, yeah, well, I think we really did the best we could, you know, I think the idea of being in art, being an artist is to collaborate, working together to solve a problem of music or to, to solve a problem of creating a piece of art or solve a problem. Those are collaborative works and we are deep into collaboration. When you suddenly become a group of individuals that are working independently, it becomes a much bigger challenge. We discovered a piece of software, mostly Jonathan Glade, the director of orchestras, did his homework this summer. Uh, and discovered a piece of software that was brand new called Upbeat Music. And, and so we've, we, we, we ran with it right away. The district uh, thankfully decided to pay for it. Um, and so it gives each kid a chance to go into a room kind of like we're here. Um, and then we, we spend the first 40 odd minutes talking about what we think we should do. And I give them performance re- references and we talk about that. And then we send them out to record their part with what's called a backing track. So if you know much about the recording industry, you have uh, in your ears, you have a performance of that and you play along with it. Um, and then what it does is it records you and then it, it takes out the recording of the, of the performance that they're referencing and then just puts the kids' performances together in, uh, uh, in, in, a, in a, like one of those Brady Bunch boxes. You know, you see all the faces mm-hmm. are all playing. Um, and so 
as we've gotten better at it, it's gotten better. Um, is it is it perfect? By no means. I think it doesn't. It cannot ever replace being together. Um, that, that collaborative art is is irreplaceable. But what they've done, I don't know if you guys have taken a look at our Pioneer Band's website. We put on three concerts. Um, we put on a concert at All Hollows where each band got a chance to play a couple charts. And uh, it was in the same vein as our Halloween concert that we tend to do. Uh, and then we did a surprise December concert that was kind of seasonal based around winter. Uh, and then in February, we actually uh, did a concert uh, based on the music of Omar Thomas, who is an amazing young composer who came through classical music through the genre of jazz. Um, uh, uh, he's an amazing person, human being, and his material that he writes about is challenging uh, about the terrorist attack that happened in the Carolinas uh, against the Mother Emanuel Church. I don't know if you knew about the, the, the assassinations that went there um, and how, how that community had kind of got used music and Omar Thomas's music to, to kind of push through the, the feeling of anger and hate. And that was, uh, that was, um, of our new day begun. We brought a couple alumni parents, uh, back one current parent to play piano and another former singer who actually sang the black national anthem, um, uh, Alice Tillman, who was genius. And so we, so we, we showcased that and talked about those events, uh, celebrating the life uh, of Marsha P. Johnson, who was one of the basically four, mothers of the modern gay pride movement um, back back in New York City in 69. And so it, we got, got kids a chance to talk about that, which sometimes we don't always get a chance to talk about that when we're face to face. But every band took a piece of music that was that was that was kind of uh, symbolic in where we were as a country. Um, we have our first gay member of, of, of the administration uh, in Mayor Pete. Uh, we have our first uh, black vice president, uh, uh, Kamala Harris. I mean, I think those are important moments. And we celebrated that and kind of talked about some of the things that took us to get to this point in time. And maybe we would be able to do that face to face. And I think the kids got a chance to uh, spread their wings from there. And now we're getting ready for another concert in March. And while it's not perfect, I think it's been I think we've been successful. And the kids have shared with me that that band has been some of the best classes of their day, which can only make us happy. All right, that's great. Um, do you think you'll continue to introduce those current events and historical lessons and whatnot um, when we do eventually come back to school? Do you think that'll be something you'll try to make? Well, we, we always have. I, jazz makes it easier uh, because it's it's easier to kind of move to take a piece of music that's relevant at, when it happens. I mean, where you're where you're a symphony band or acapella choir or symphony orchestra, those are much longer pieces of literature, and so it takes a long time to kind of to kind of process that. We're going to play a piece of Omar's music next year in symphony band uh, called Come Sunday. It's uh, it's mind blowingly beautiful, and we've been fortunate enough that we've been invited to to close the spring the the mid, winter the winter Michigan Music Conference uh, that takes place in January, and so. Pioneer Symphony Band is the closing ensemble, and we're going to play one of the pieces that we'll play. Will be a piece by Omar Thomas again, because his music is so relevant. I mean, I think, and he's just a composer that we need to showcase and be able to let people know about because he's fabulous. Mm -hmm. And have you heard anything about the music program in specific coming back? Because I mean, bands in general are probably going to be the most difficult class to um, bring back in high school what have you heard so far like just in terms of playing together will that even be a possibility in april playing pods yeah well as a department chair it's kind of my job to be proactive on that mm -hmm. and so myself mr glaive the orchestra director and most notably mr lorenz because i think the choral program has had has faced kind of an onslaught of 
the art of singing, you expel more air, expel more moisture. That tends to happen more frequently from a choral perspective where it doesn't happen as frequently in band. So we have been trying to find solutions. I think I have a great solution. Um, not only can I move outside and we can transfer marching to the spring, because we didn't have marching band in the fall, um, I think we can transfer to marching band and give a performance in the spring and practice outside, which would solve a lot of our problems. Mm-hmm. In so doing, we can be on Schreiber stage, it's huge, and there are fortunately two air handling systems, one on stage and one in the house. And so when I expose, when I'm, when, I'm in a, when I'm in a place for half an hour and need to move, I can just move my band out into the house where the, where the audience would sit and continue to work um, and, and know that I'm, those places are being, the vapor moisture has, is going to go ahead and get dispelled from there. And then the more important issue was really not so much about band. I think I solved that problem mostly being outside, but choir was my biggest concern. Um, and so what we've decided and what I proposed, there's been no solution yet, but what my proposed proposal was, was Mr. Lorenz and the choir kids start in the choir room and they're there for 30 minutes and then they transfer to the band room and they're there for the next 30 to 40 minutes, which while that room gets its air handling unit, changes all the air, they can be in the band room and still have the tiered floor and they can sing and then they can go back and forth and not have to worry about ever cross-contaminating. They can sing with masks. We can play with masks. We can also put bell covers on the end of each brass instrument so it keeps the moisture intact and close to the instrument. And so we really have done a yeoman's job researching how to make it happen, and we think it's going to happen just fine. Um, us being outside makes it easiest. So that's the hope is that we have weather. I don't know if you've looked outside. Have you looked outside? It's yeah, like sunny. Staring it's stunning. out the window right now. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we can go outside rock on we really we can really not have a problem with it so i met with principal louder today and i've made several proposals um and he was agreeable to all of them of course we'll have to kind of chase up the ladder and make sure that that the superintendent and board of education is okay with it but we think we've got the perfect solution which allows band to be back with however many students we have in whatever pods we have we can still learn marching and learn to get ready for a performance that takes place in may well, that would be really great, especially for some of the younger students who are just getting introduced to marching. I mean, I can't imagine how much of a struggle it's been for all the freshmen in general, but for the freshmen that are getting introduced to a high school band for the first time, it's just, yeah. it's got to be a challenge. Yeah, you and I could not agree more. And so we're trying, again, we have a we have an event to, uh, Friday night with the kids. It's, it's Of course, it's online. So we're going to do trivia and it's going to be music, band music and popular music and 80s music. And so they're going to do a trivia thing and we'll, we'll give points to our houses. We divide the band up in houses. And so they'll get a chance to meet online and work as houses and solving problems. But you and I both know that the, the way to be successful, the way to build everything, it's whether academic success, artistic success, athletic success, success is really about the collaborative work to get together. You know, if you're together solving a problem, anything can be solved, but you got to get together to do it. So we think we've got it. Um, and I, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate having this conversation. And, um, I think we've, we've got a good, we've got a good grip on it and we think we're going to be really successful. We think we've been successful. Um, our kids are telling us that band has been uh, a way to relieve stress, which is really what we wanted it to be. And I talked to my colleagues in choir and orchestra. Um, I'm really proud that the, both that all three directors, band, orchestra, and choir were given the award for outstanding uh, achievement in terms of teaching online. Um, and we're the only department in the entire city that got all three. And so we're really kind of proud of the fact that all of us are really working hard to make sure that our kids and the families feel like they're getting um, a good experience with music education. So we're really proud of that. That's incredible. Um, well, 
to sort of wrap things up here, I was thinking that we could talk about um, something that is also not available in this COVID era, unfortunately. But you were mentioning um, some of the life-changing trips that you had gotten the ability to go on with the band, um, whether that be to Carnegie Hall or Austria or even China. Um, Can you tell a story about one of those um, and how specifically it was life-changing? Well, I can I, I can I can share with you a lot of stories about those. Uh, one of the things that I think made China such a special experience is we often listen to politicians and people who don't who have an agenda talk about another group of people. And so, you know, back when we were kids, you know, eat all your vegetables because children in China or children in Africa or children in some other country name pick a country they're starving. And so when we got to China, what do the Chinese t- tell their children? Um, make sure you eat all your vegetables because there are kids in America starving. And they're right. There were kids. There are kids right now in America starving. And so it was fascinating to hear the reverse. That is one, of the other fa- one of the other fascinating things were that once we got away from, you know, the scripted getting to know one another and we just let the kids play. You know, we went to an American English school. So those kids were Chinese nationals learning how to speak English because English is a business language, right? That's how uh, business gets transacted across the globe. Um, so they were learning how to speak fluent English. And so, but they wanted to play tug of war, frisbee, ping pong with the American kids. And once they got outside and started to do that, all the barriers broke down and they just, you, you could see they just wanted to be kids. They didn't really, it wasn't really about a, a political persuasion. It was just being kids. And so when I debriefed with my students, I said, you know, you're the leaders of the future. Heath, you and your colleagues are going to eventually be the leaders of the future. And if you get a chance to meet somebody at your age now on their turf, in their space, and you realize they just want someone who loves them to be loved by somebody, someone to love them, to be loved, to have food, to have shelter, and to have a reason to have a job. That's something you find find joy in. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. With the government's perspective on how to run a country is the government's perspective. And we all have to vote for what we think is right. But at the end of the day, you just want to love somebody, someone to love you, to have a place to, to it's safe, right? To have food and water and to have something that gives you satisfaction in terms of a, a career, right? A, a job, a task. It doesn't have to be what you have to well. Hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you you peel the politics aside that my kids, so I, that's why I told my kids, I said, let's peel the politics aside. Remember, this is communist China. Um, there were some great people there, very bright, um, and they just wanted to be loved, to love somebody, to have food, water, safety, and to go have a job that they felt could be good for their family. That was it. And so that was did cool. You, did you see music as one of those things that was uniting amongst the kids too? I that, think that, music is, a, is globally uniting. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the history of our globe, music has been uniting in terms of that's how who we are. If you go back to jazz and the foundations of jazz, it's the only thing that America has really given the arts world. Everything else we've kind of borrowed from everybody else, but jazz is singularly ours. It's an amalgamation of South Indies music, African music, American music, Baptist music, classical music. I mean, you, you look at the big, the band era, the back John Philip Sousa, you take all of that and mash it together uh, with in, in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, in Congo Square, and you watch it explode and it changed the world. Uh, jazz is still being played all over the world and it comes right out of New Orleans, Louisiana and Chicago and New York City and Kansas City and, you know, the West Coast and Detroit and all that stuff kind of comes out of that. And so, yeah, and everybody uses it as a way to break barriers as a way to get to what's common. 
uh, Miles Davis or it was I was talking listening to Wynton Marsalis said I can go to Japan not speak an English a lick of English and say do you all know blues and B flat and they know blues and B flat they play blues they're fine they don't they don't need to speak the same language right they it's can, a universal language right it's yeah. a, it, it, and so I hear this the guy goes oh I don't speak English but I speak that right right and so they play their I mean there's nothing to me more intriguing than the classical Chinese violin. It's just the sound is haunting and mesmerizing and beautiful. And you hear that. Um, and then you hear our violin and you hear the Western violin and you share all the, the Japanese flute and you hear all that. And you hear drums from Africa. Music has been part of our civilization since our civilization wasn't a civilization. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. you know, you just kind of go back at you know, math is great. Yep. Man. Everybody says math's the universal language. The last time I checked, we've not talked to anybody else in the universe. Maybe someday. Um, but I would, re- if I, if I was heading off this planet and want to show people what was best about our planet, I would not tell somebody I figured out the math to get here. I would introduce them to the music of Mozart. Right. Right. Um, well, it's kind of like the close encounters of the third kind, right? Have you seen that movie where they're, yeah, they're right. communicating? They, they, didn't out, they, didn't, they didn't come out and say, Hey, we figured out the math to get here. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. great. That, I'm so proud of you. That's great. And, and look, we speak this language that you don't understand. Okay, great. It's great. And we know about our history. Yeah, that's great. And suddenly they do music. And we're like, we know that. Mm-hmm. I think the, 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 the thing that comes out of all that for me, and again, I'm biased. I'm a musician. I think music is universal. It's it's global. It, we are, our planet, I think, hums at an E flat. And so, you know, is I think scientifically music, true. That, is that true? Our, our planet vibrates. I think our, I think it's an E flat. I remember reading it. So don't hold me to that. Some, okay. Somebody reads this goes, so no, it's this note. But, you know, I think our planet hums. I think drums have come out of every aspect from the Native American First Nationers. If you go to Africa, drums, they're, they're, they use the similar thing, the flute, the Native American flute, the Japanese flute. I mean, really, they back in those days, there was no Internet. Mm-hmm. And they, those two cultures didn't know they existed. Right. They were just right. spinning on this little blue planet. But there's a flute. There's drums. There's a violin. There's a stringed instrument in the West and string instrument in Asia. Um, that's not co- that's coincidental. I don't really think so. I think it's just part of who we are. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good luck going, going back to school and in the concert in April. Or in March. Yeah. Can't wait to be back. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. It'll be exciting. All yeah. As I told my students, I can't wait to see you in 3D. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Definitely ready to hear from some of my band friends about the experiences playing outdoors and, you know, how how it's – I hope you guys come back with even more energy than you left um, school with. So. Well, we could not be grateful for the student support. Listen, you you go to a magical place, and, I, and someday you will understand that. You, Pioneer is a magical place. Um, it's the one place where nerds, athletes, musicians, artists, actors – theater, potters, uh, all work together. There's none of this, oh, we're this class of person and we don't, that doesn't happen at Pioneer High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really proud of that. I'm, when, when the football team comes out for a homecoming, they get cheered on. When the band comes out to do that, they get exploded on. And right. when the, sometimes when louder. The math, when the math kid comes out and solves this math equation, everybody cheers. <laughs> uh, the football players go, I didn't even know how that worked. You know, it's, it's such a magic <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and there's there's a place, and I and I think I'm grateful that I teach in a place where you can come from any walk of life and have a safe place to go. It's it's not always true, but we as the staff try to figure out a way to make you all feel safe because if you don't feel safe here, where are you going to feel safe? And so we just want you all to feel safe in a place that you can spread your wings because in four years we lose you and we want you to go change the world. Right. Yeah. 
Definitely. Exactly. Okay. Well, fantastic job to end it on. Um, We've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, And you too, my friends. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Be safe. Bye. Cheers. This has been another episode of the TBD Podcast. My name is Keith Monsman. And I'm James Catanzaro. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.